everyone. Uh, let me apologize off the top for my uh, strained voice. <laughs> Hopefully it'll hold out. Um, so I'm getting over some of the crud that's been going around. Um, well, if you'll turn with me, <clears throat> oh, man, <laughs> if you'll turn me with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 11. And as you're turning there, let me uh, open our time together in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do thank you uh, for uh, sending your prophets uh, to us. Though uh, we were people uh, in rebellion against you um, and justly deserving of all the curses that come from breaking your covenant, uh, you are faithful and you are faithful to send people like Jeremiah to remind uh, your people of their sin. Lord, we thank you for uh, the way um, Jeremiah points us to your word uh, and instructs us uh, to not just be hearers of, of it, but to be keepers of it. Um, that uh, we are called to, uh, to be a people of obedience, um, not because uh, we seek to gain your favor, but because um, that is uh, the spirit you put in us by your Holy Spirit. That um, because you love us and set your love upon us and uh, gave us new hearts, uh, that and, and have written your commandments upon those hearts that we long uh, to please you, O Heavenly Father. Uh, give us that spirit, we pray, uh, to trust and to obey, um, but most of all, to uh, repent of our sin and to each and every day turn to Christ as being um, uh, the sole one who saves us and makes us clean so that we can stand in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God. Uh, may the same spirit that spoke through Jeremiah uh, speak to us uh, this morning, guide us into all truth uh, concerning our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, so it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in Jeremiah. We took a week off uh, last week. Uh, so before we get into chapter 11, uh, let me just uh, briefly recount um, what we did in chapter 10 a couple of weeks ago. Um, and if you remember, chapter 10 was that chapter that started off with a satirical portrait of the worthlessness of idols um, uh, of these nations around Judah and a strong warning to Judah not to be discipled by the nations uh, in idolatry, not to follow after these false gods. Um, and he had that great image of likening them to scarecrows in a cucumber field. Uh, things that can't move, can't speak. They can't do evil against you, nor can they do good. So it's foolish, and, and we saw the word, he used that strong word, stupid, um, to follow after um, such things. Uh, Jeremiah contrasted these gods who did not make the heavens and earth and who shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens with Yahweh, uh, who alone is worthy of worship. Uh, there's none like him. He is the true and living God, the creator of the heavens and earth, the controller of the clouds and the rain, the one who alone is worthy of reverence of all men. Uh, and most of all, we saw that, that God uh, is one who claimed Israel as his possession. As Lord of the covenant, Yahweh demanded total unswerving loyalty from his subjects, 
any attempt to share allegiance to him with another merited judgment, for it amounted to a rejection of the covenant. Um, and in that case, the curses of the covenant became operative, and chapter 10 ended with a, one, another um, description of Jeremiah desc describing this coming judgment, um, but also describing how uh, God's people deserved it um, because of their sinful rebellion. So today in chapter 11, um, even though we can describe chapter 10 as being a violation of the covenant, the word never is used. Uh, in chapter 11, it's all over <laughs> uh, um, the pages uh, that we'll be reading. The covenant is spoken and it's forefront um, and, and God is reminding his people uh, of the terms of that covenant and particularly of the curses that are entailed when God's people break that covenant. And then the second half of chapter 11, we'll see, um, is the first of what um, scholars sometimes call them Jeremiah's confessions. Some people call them Jeremiah's laments. It's, uh, we get uh, the first of these um, pictures of what it is like to be a prophet as Jeremiah um, gives this lament before God of the situation he's facing. Um, and then God uh, responding to Jeremiah's uh, complaint. So with that as a word of introduction, let me read for us Jeremiah chapter 11, and I'll begin in verse 1 and read the entirety of the chapter. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Hear the words of this covenant, and speak to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Cursed be the man who does not hear the words of this covenant that I commanded your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Listen to my voice and do all that I command you, so, you shall, so shall you be my people and I will be your God, that I may confirm the oath that I swore to your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey as at this day. Then I answered, So be it, Lord. And the Lord said to me, Proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. Hear the words of this covenant and do them. For I solemnly warned your fathers when I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, warning them persistently, even to this day, saying, Obey my voice. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone walked in the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore, I brought upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did not. Again, the Lord said to me, a conspiracy exists among the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They have turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers who refused to hear my words. They have gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant that I made with their fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I am bringing disaster upon them that they cannot escape. Though they cry to me, I will not listen to them. Then the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem will go and cry to the gods to whom they make offerings, but they cannot save them in the time of their trouble." For your gods have become as many as your cities, O Judah, and as, as many as the streets of Jerusalem are the altars you have set up to shame. 
altars to make offerings to Baal. Therefore, do not pray for this people or lift up a cry or prayer on their behalf, for I will not listen when they call to me in the time of their trouble. What right has my beloved in my house when she has done many vile deeds? Can even sacrificial flesh avert your doom? Can you then exult? The Lord once called you a green olive tree, beautiful with good fruit, but with the roar of a great tempest, he will set fire to it and its branches will be consumed. The Lord of hosts who planted you has decreed disaster against you because of the evil that the house of Israel and the house of Judah have done, provoking me to anger by making offerings to Baal. The Lord made it known to me, and I knew. Then you showed me their deeds. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know it was against me. They devised schemes, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, who, judge right, who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you have I committed my cause. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, who seek your life, and say, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, or you will die by our hand. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword. Their sons and their daughters shall die by famine, and none of them shall be left. For I will bring disaster upon the men of Anathoth the year of their punishment. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it as we speak of it together this morning. All right, so as I've mentioned earlier in the book, the concept of covenant is very important to, in the book of Jeremiah, but today's the first time the word itself um, shows up, um, and you'll notice it shows up multiple times in chapter 11. So, um, so yeah, so let's start there. Um, what does Jeremiah emphasize, well, God and Jeremiah emphasize about the covenant uh, in these verses, and particularly um, looking at verses uh, 1 through 13. So what, what, when Jeremiah is um, called to God and, and told to go present this word about the covenant to the people, um, uh, what, what's going on here? Why emphasize the covenant? Yeah, Dave. No, it's a great place to start, and that so be it, Lord, is actually uh, literally, amen, Lord. Like, um, and if you look back, um, turn back with me to Deuteronomy chapter 27. So this is the moment where um, God is giving the curses, uh, or telling the people uh, the curses of the covenant, um, 
So, uh, you know, so Moses is charging the people. Um, and the Levites shall declare to all the men of Israel in a loud voice, Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. And, and notice, you know, it follows verse 16. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. So this is, um, you know, Jeremiah in the scene uh, of God presenting the words of covenant to him and, and giving them to him, and Jeremiah is saying, so be it, Lord. Amen. Like, he is... He is agreeing to the covenant just like his fathers did and just like the people had done um, and had redone recently um, you know, when Josiah finds, found the book of Deuteronomy or found the book of law in Kings, they, they do the ceremony again. So the, probably the people he is, Jeremiah is being sent, have gone through this ritual ceremony of agreeing to the covenant of God and agreeing that these curses fall upon them by saying, Amen, so be it, Lord. If we do this, may these curses fall upon us. And, and Jeremiah is, is giving the Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy ah, the response from Deuteronomy. <laughs> the pro, like my, my own problem with speaking English coupled with my own inability to speak right now are like, gonna be really difficult. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he is, he's using that language of Deuteronomy, and he's specifically going back to the language of Deuteronomy, and, and um, God is giving them that language, and he's going to proclaim that language to the people. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, and notice the first call that God is giving and that Jeremiah repeats. Hear the words of this covenant. Um, and then Jeremiah goes and proclaims all these words in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem. Hear the words of this covenant and do them. And like, as you say, it's, it's, we're not even getting to the doing part. <laughs> you know, they're refusing to hear them, much less do them. Um, and as you say, it, it's an active um, not listening. Um, it's, as he, Jeremiah will say later on, um, you know, it is a, a stubborn, the stubborn, everyone walked in the stubbornness of their heart. They did not obey or incline the ear. Um, so, so yeah, you're exactly right. Like, they're, they're actively not turning their ear to listen to the words of God's covenant that Jeremiah has gone and is speaking to them again. Yeah, the first stage of repentance is actually like acknowledging that you've done something wrong. Like, like if you can't even come to th that step of acknowledging that 
oh, I, I've heard the word of the Lord and I've broken it. And so therefore, like, I'm, I'm wounded that I've committed sin. Like, you've got to recognize that you have broken the covenant um, and, and they're refusing to even listen to it to come to that point of repentance. And notice the idea here is, like, because the, the word turn, like, again, that's the word that sometimes in some contexts gets translated as repent or return. Instead of turning back to God, um, verse 10, they've turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers who refused to hear my words. So rather than turning to God, they've turned back to the evil ways of their fathers and they're, again, refusing to hear. I think you're really um, spot on on emphasizing like it's it's one thing to fail to do the commandments, but to, to fail to even acknowledge that the commandments exist and have a claim on you, like that is even a more fundamental rejection of God and God's sovereignty. Patricia, do you want to? that the, the evil that's come upon them is resulting from the evil of their hearts and refusing to listen to them. Um, and as I think you, you know, you're building right off what Jay said, like if they had shown any kind of contrition, like any kind of humbleness, um, any kind of inclination to listen, we know God, like he, Jeremiah's already told us, God is long suffering, like God is patient, um, God has, you know, is faithful over and over again in the faith of the faithlessness of his people. But we're now getting into a, to the point where their stubbornness of their evil hearts and their refusal to hear has led to a situation where, you know, God will not hear their cries. And like, again, this idea, why are you crying to me? <laughs> uh, why not go cry to the gods uh, to whom they make their offerings? Um, you know, it's like, okay, you've rejected me and gone after these other gods. Why, you know, in your time of difficulty, why are you crying out to me? Like, you know, you, you've made your choice. You, you know, you've chosen to follow after these other gods. Let them hear you. Uh, let them save you because I'm not going to hear you. I'm not going to deliver you. And he, he commands, again, we saw this a couple weeks ago with the command to Jeremiah Therefore, do not pray for this people or lift up a cry or prayer on their behalf, for I will not listen when they call to me in the time of their trouble. Um, and then he goes into what, we're getting a little ahead, but he goes into this like vivid description of, you know, yes, th this is my people and they're beautiful to me, but they have brought this evil upon themselves and they are deserving of the judgment and curses that are gonna befall them because again, in that scene from Deuteronomy, like, they've acknowledged if we do not do these things, we will not live long in the land that God has given us. Other aspects of the covenant um, in, in these first uh, 13 verses or so. What was your side? Yeah, Ronnie. 
Yeah, um, uh, you know, again, I study sailors, and um, people often talk about, like, you know, the, the prayers of seamen. Like, there's this great scene in The Tempest um, where he's like, well, what are the prayers, what are, what are the sailors doing? Like, because the guy comes down, it's like, the storm's really bad. What are the sailors doing? They're at ropes. It sends them back up. What are the sailors doing? Well, they're, you know, working about the ship. Comes back down. What are the sailors doing? They're praying. Oh, we're in real trouble now. <laughs> um, and it's that kind of like foxhole uh, religion. Like they're turning to God in their time of desperate need. But the problem is they've never needed God along the way. And they've looked to these other idols and these things that aren't God for their trust and satisfaction. And just as he like, was mocking how stupid that is back in chapter 10, he's, he's here focusing on, like, it's not just dumb, but it, it, because of this covenant that exists between us, you have broken the, the sovereignly instilled covenant, you know, the, the agreement with your sovereign. Um, again, think back to our study of um, Christ of the Covenants uh, last spring. A covenant is a bond of blood sovereignly administered. Like it is a solemn uh, agreement between a sovereign and the sovereign's vassal that if you violate it, blood will be shed. Yours and your children and your children's children. Um, and, and God had, had that kind of agreement. Like he uses that kind of model to describe his relationship with his people. And so here the idea is, you know, the, the focus is on the curses. Like, curse be the man who does not hear the words of this covenant that I commanded your fathers. Um, and if you don't follow my ways, the, the curses, you know, Again, they've agreed it. Like, if you make an idol, you know, the, these curses are going to fall upon you. And the people had said, so be it, Lord, amen. And, and now those curses, they've done it, and those curses are falling upon them. And, like, who are they to suddenly say, oh, wait, <laughs> maybe we didn't mean what we say. Scott, I saw your hand. Uh, and the consequence is the end of verse 8. Um, you know, or let's just read the whole of verse 8. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone walked in the stubbornness of his evil heart, therefore. <laughs> you know, and that this is what you're saying, Scott, the sentencing part of it. Therefore, I brought upon them all the words of this covenant. Like, again, this should not be a surprise to anybody. It's like, you know, if you signed a contract with someone and like, you know, and then you violate the, the contract and the penalty comes into place and you're like, wait, why am I being penalized? You, <laughs> section five <laughs> clearly stipulates, it's not even in fine print, it's like clearly stated and you initialed it. And so why are you acting like, oh, where's this disaster coming from? Where's God's displeasure coming from? You know, you, you have stubbornly 
persistently failed to incline your ear um, to, to my word. Um, and, and, you know, again, you haven't done them, but you ha you're not even listening to them, um, to go back to Jay's point. Yeah, Ronnie. I think, I, I mean, like, think back to what we were saying a couple of weeks ago, like, rather than being, you know, God has called them to be a light to the Gentiles, and rather than being a light to the Gentiles, they're being discipled by the nations. Um, they're going to the nations in, in their evil doing. They don't want to stand out. Like, you know, like again, like, um, it is, as we'll see with Jeremiah, just at the end of this chapter, like, People are plotting to take his life because he's speaking the word of God. That's how bad things, and not just like people, the people of his hometown <laughs> are, are, who are like Anathoth, again, is a town of priests. Like, so the priest and the people of Anathoth, um, who should be the ones, you know, leading the people in repentance and turning to God, are themselves, you know, actively plotting to take the life of God's spokesman, God's prophet, because he's saying things like this. So I, I think there is, I mean, I'm sure there like a, a kind of groupthink peer pressure involved, but I think there's also individual act of rebellion. I mean, he gives us a sense of how total this is in verse 13. For your gods have become as many as your cities, O Judah, and as many as the streets of, the, of Jerusalem are the altars you have set up to shame, altars to make offerings to Baal. So, you know, it's this idea, like, it's, it's pretty pervasive and total that, like, and he's used this language before, like, the, how, how greatly they have multiplied the gods in their midst. Uh, Greg, I saw your hand. Yeah, and it's a total failure. I mean, to go back to Jeremiah 2, verse 8. The priest did not say, where's the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. The shepherds uh, transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by, by Baal and went after things that do not profit. So, so yeah, it is, it is this total breakdown of, 
you know, their leaders are doing the wrong things, the people are doing the wrong things, they're going after the nations rather than going after what God's word instructs them in. Uh, I mean, it seems to be pretty bleak, which is why we're at the point crying out for them um, is, is useless because the moment of judgment has, has come near and it is being, the blow of judgment is being rightly administered by God because the, their violations of the covenant with God are you know, clear and evident. Like we had that great scene earlier. They're like, what, when did we ever do anything? And he's like, well, look, just turn around and look. You've got altars right there. <laughs> like, like don't, don't try to plead innocent. Don't try to, to, to say you're ignorant of the crime. The evidence of your crimes are visible all around you. The, the, your violations of the covenant are, you know, again, as, as many as towns in, the, in Judah, as many as streets in Jerusalem are their, the visible signals of their rebellion. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, and with that, like, I, I mean, to, to take your words, Mike, and emphasize the warning of them, like, Solomon is the guy who's described as possessing a double portion of wisdom. So this guy is supposed to be, like, you know, at the very least, not just twice as smart, but twice as wise. Like, you know, and wisdom is, like, that idea of, of knowing what to do and what not to do, like, you know. It's not just knowing a bunch of stuff. It's like, well, <laughs> I, I know lots of people who are really smart and not very wise. <laughs> I'm probably one of them. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, that idea of, um, you know, knowing w what you should do, uh, what is right and what is wrong and what's the path to choose. And the, the man who is supposed to epitomize that, that wisdom that, you know, like we, we've been reading, the wisdom of Solomon week after week as part of our worship. And that guy, um, by not, uh, as you say, not staying true to the covenant of marriage, by violating God's word and taking these foreign wives, 
into his household. And by taking these foreign wives and concubines upon you know, this great number, as, um, as we're told, um, has introduced all these other, like, if, so if the guy at the top of the society is multiplying the altars in his house, or allowing, like, let, let's just say, okay, I'll allow it. I'm not going to participate in it. Um, but, like, if we're giving him the benefit of the doubt, I don't think we need to give him the benefit of the doubt. But let's just say, best case reading. But by allowing it to prosper in the king's house, like, it, it gives that tacit idea that, oh, this must be okay. If, if Solomon, the wise man, is, is, is doing this, it must be okay for the rest of us. Um, and so it's, so I, I think, and, and to like, I love this word conspiracy here. Um, some of your translations might have mutiny, um, rebellion. Like, I, I love the, the, the idea there, like it's actively plotting, <laughs> um, but it's um, unlike most, we keep, think of most, when we think of conspiracy, we, we think of kind of like a secret thing. Um, but this is clearly like the worst kept secret ever <laughs> um, because, again, it's visible everywhere the, of their active, open rebellion against God. Um, so their, 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 um, their shock that this comes upon them um, is, is ridiculous. Like, what, what did you think was going to happen when you went after all and brought all these false gods into your household? Um, you know, my covenant clearly states these, all these curses will fall upon you. All these words, both the words, and notice he, he doesn't neglect the blessing. You know, uh, he, you know, in, in verse um, four and five, listen to my voice and do all that I command you. So shall you be my people and I will be your God. That is the intent of the covenant. That's what the purpose of the covenant is for. To, for God to make people for himself. He will be their God. They will be their people in relationship with one another. Um, and that I may confirm the oath that I swore to your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey as at this day. Um, so the blessing is there before them. Um, and they, they didn't let, listen. They, they didn't pay heed to that. Um, so the curses are, are coming true at this moment. Yes? 14? Yeah, so, um, and we've seen this language before, that he has told Jeremiah not to pray uh, for this people or lift up a cry or a prayer on their behalf. Um, I, I think what it means is it, like we're beyond the point of prayers for the people being um, being efficacious. <laughs> like um, it, it's not that Jeremiah is not supposed to long for the people or you know want the best for them. I, I think he's he's telling his prophet like you know, the judgment is is coming. Like it's deserved. Um, the the uh, execution uh, or the sentence of execution has begun. So this that's not what you need to be praying for. 
at this time. Um, so I think it's that idea, it's too late. I mean, I think that that's, might be the way to, to best understand it. It's too late for that. Like we're beyond that point of, you know, Jeremiah being able to, uh, like, because again, prophets are between God and the people. And often we see them like turning toward God and saying, like, hold off. <laughs> you know, and they call to mind God's promises to, to his people. Like, God, be faithful to your promises. Don't destroy this people. They deserve it. And he's saying, you know, the time for that kind of pleading is, is, is over. Like, it's, it's, we're, we're too late. Once um, there was time and a moment for repentance, that, that moment has passed. Like, this people is, is, is clearly, rather than turning back to me, they're, you know, turning back to their evil ways. Um, and that's like, we get into these pictures after that. Um, so I think to try to understand and wrestle with this question, why, why should he not pray for them? Um, we, we get these, these little short little images um, that follow. What right has my beloved in my house when she's done many vile deeds? So the idea is like, you know, the, to go back to Mike's I, um, image of adultery, like, Israel is God's bride, and they're committing adultery in their house. So what right has the bride doing adultery and evil in the house to go to the husband and say, don't punish me? <laughs> um, you know, you're, you know, and this, they're trusting in sacrifices. Can even sacrificial flesh avert your doom? Um, can you then exult in your sacrifices? No, because we've seen earlier those sacrifices are empty. Uh, the Lord once called you a green olive tree, beautiful with good fruit, but with the roar of a tempest, he will set fire to it and its branches be consumed. The Lord of hosts who planted you has decreed disaster against you because of the evil that the house of Israel and the house of Judah have done, provoking me to anger by making offerings to Baal. So it's this idea that the decree of God Yes, Israel was God's beautiful olive tree, but he set fire to it. So, you know, once the fire has been set, um, the, the olive tree is going to be, con be consumed. So, so I think those images help us to, to see why prayer at this moment is, is not what, what's called for, if that makes sense. So <laughs> I should have waited. <laughs>
and, and I think even not just um, like completely rejecting him, so not just doing the things that he's commanded you not to, but like, again, to go back to Jay's point, like re refusing to acknowledge God's sovereignty at all. Um, it's that utmost rejection of God, and, and therefore God is rejecting them and, and bringing this punishment upon them. Yeah, thank you for that. I'm glad you opened the can of worms and then closed it as well <laughs> for me because I, I, I was starting to get nervous. So, you know, um, Cynthia. And, and not even to a prophet from their from their own hometown, um, as we get to the to the end of this chapter. So um, so we kind of have a switch um, in verse eighteen, and it it continues um, into um, to chapter twelve. We we have a similar kind of Jeremiah's complaint, and then God answering Jeremiah. But it, it we got a little mini complaint and answer. Um, in verses um, 18 to 20 uh, is, is Jeremiah's lament to God and verses 21 to 23 gives God's response to this lament. So, so what do we see? What's, what's going on here? Like we read these, it's not the most straightforward presentation of, of what's happening because we don't really get the complaint. <laughs> the, what like God's answer fills out the details. So like in Jeremiah's complaint, we're kind of like, wait, what's, ha what's happening? What's going on? And then God gives us a few details later on. But, but what's happening in the scene? Yeah, they're going to cut them off. Um, and we know, like, uh, so, well, we don't know yet because we haven't gotten to that chapter. But later on, we're, Jeremiah is commanded not to marry. Um, so, so we know he doesn't have any children. So that idea of killing someone in the prime of their life um, and a person who's childless, you're, you're not just cutting them off now. You're cutting them off uh, forever, like, because, you know, how does a person's name live on? Well, it usually lives on through your your offspring, your children, like the people who, who um, like I, we, my one of my classes this week. Um, we read this book um, called "All That She Carried: the The Journey of Ashley Sack." So it's about a um, enslaved uh, African American woman in, in Charleston, South Carolina, who packed a sack because her daughter, Ashley, was getting sold from her. Um, and so, you know, she packs the sack, um, and then Ashley tells the story and gives the sack to her granddaughter. And then the granddaughter turns around and embroiders the story on the sack. So, but we only know about Rose because her daughter remembered her, and then her granddaughter remembered her and then her great-granddaughter remembered her and wrote the story down. Otherwise, we know nothing about Rose. 
like this this woman who existed, and it's that kind of idea, like um, you know that by by killing Jeremiah, they're not just cutting off you know his current um, fruitfulness uh, as a tree, we're also cu cutting off all memory of him. So yeah, so it's a plot to to destroy Jeremiah now and to kind of erase memory of him. Good. What else do we see happening? So it's a plot against Jeremiah, a threat to cut off his his um, this tree and the fruitfulness of life. Yes, Cynthia. Like the lamb led to the slaughter. Yeah. Um, and he's thinking of it like, you know, here, like, um, he's, a, he's a lamb led to the slaughter um, uh, unknowingly. Like, it's, like, I think, like, the, the difference is, like, when we think of Jesus, Jesus is the, the lamb who is willing to be led to the slaughter and goes fully knowing that he's going to be slaughtered. This is the lamb, or, like, you know, like, you know, yeah, the lamb who's like, yeah, come on. <laughs> come on, you know, and lamb. Oh, where are we going today? And then too late. <laughs> it's that kind of like, it, it, and it's describing in a sense, Jeremiah is seemingly oblivious to the plot going around him. Like, you know, he's going about his daily business like an innocent little lamb, not knowing that, you know, people are plotting to slaughter him. Um, and it's God, uh, and it does seem, the Lord made it known to me, and I knew, then you showed me their deed. Like, God has to, like, open his eyes, like, and sort of say, do you not <laughs> see they're, they're plotting and actively seeking to, to slaughter you like an innocent little lamb? Yeah, take Yeah, so his response isn't, like, to try to fix it. Like, what I do wrong? Like, he's not going to them to try to fix it. <laughs> yeah, his, his response is to go to God. But, O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you have I committed my cause. So it's that acknowledgement. Um, and think back to Jeremiah's... Um, call. Um, I'll just flip back there, back in chapter 1. You know, God has, has told him, Behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. So he's been told, from day one, this is the situation you're going to be in as my prophet. Everybody is going to be against you. But I will put these walls of protection around you. I'm the one who's going to fortify 
uh, and defend you. Your life is in my hands, not theirs. Um, so, so I think if he doesn't respond in fear, it's because he's not responding in fear because God has, has basically instructed him in this. Like, your life is in my hands. This is what's going to happen. Don't be afraid of them because I am for you, uh, even though they are against you. Did you want to? That God, yeah, that God is telling him. <laughs> They're plotting against you. Yeah, and like, this is just a plot. Like, you know, again, like, we, we don't know how far this plot went. We just know um, the men of Anathoth who seek your life. Um, and, and who are giving them this warning. Notice the idea is, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord or you will die by our hand. Um, one commentator, like said, it's the flip side of the New Hampshire um, motto. Instead of live free <laughs> or die, it's don't speak or die. <laughs> um, it's that kind of um, idea. They're, they're threatening him. Um, they're going to him. You cannot prophesy these kinds of words to us anymore or we will kill you. Uh, later on, like again, this is like death threat one. <laughs> um, so like just kind of plant this seed here. Like this is going to, as we move on in the book, you know, we are going to see Jeremiah's life actually being a matter of public debate whether they should kill him or not. Um, we will see Jeremiah in the bottom of us, you know, in prison, and not just in prison, like in the bottom of a cistern in a prison. Like, so, you know, literally when he's crying out from the depths, he is crying out from the depths. Like, he has been imprisoned, he's thrown. And yet, as, as you say, Dave, he, he lives through all that, lives through this disastrous siege where his town gets, you know, as we see here, um, you know, behold, I will punish men, the, punish them, the young men shall die by the sword, their sons and their daughters shall die by famine. None of them shall left, for I will bring disaster upon the men of Anathoth in the year of, the year of their punishment. Like, so what they are plotting to do to, to him, cut him off, you know, remove him, uh, destroy memory of him, that is like God is going to do to them what they were planning on doing Jeremiah. So the punishment uh, is you know, in accordance with the crime they're committing. Yeah, um, so Anathoth does come up um, in Ezra, so Ezra 2.23, um, you see uh, 128 people come back to Anathoth, um, but the town itself has to be completely rebuilt. Um, so they're not like completely, completely, God is still even of men of Anathoth, um, preserves a remnant, um, but um, but yeah, the people are plotting against Jeremiah are are the ones I think who are being completely 
like, again, the memory of them is being removed, and that's what they had intended to do to Jeremiah. Good. Other things um, that strike you about this plot against Jeremiah and how he uh, responds to it. Yeah, and again, like, it's a targeted, like, <laughs> like yeah, it, it's not like um, not all the people of Judah, there won't be a remnant. It's a targeted, like, yeah, going after, that is pretty extreme. That Of his people, like, we see it of other nations. Like, he'll say, yeah, I'm going to wipe them out, and nobody's going to remember them anymore. Um, but, yeah, for, for him to bring that kind of punishment onto a town. And again, this is a priestly town. Like, as you think about this, this isn't just, you know, and, and Jesus tells us, like, no prophet has honor in his own hometown. Like, everybody, hey, like, aren't you the carpenter's kid? Like, hey, you know, who are you to, like, open God's word to us? Like, you know, we know you. Um, and it's that idea, you know, like, uh, like, no prophet having uh, respect or honor in his hometown. Um, but it's even worse than that. Like, they're rejecting the word of God um, to the extent. And we, um, Jeremiah uses this idea earlier where um, they are acting um, back in um, chapter um, 9. Um, I, I Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. Uh, Egypt, Judah, Edom, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all who dwell in the desert who cut the corners of their hair. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. So he's already said, to an extent, I'm going to treat my people like they're just any other people. Because, again, that lack of of heart commitment to their God. So, um, so as we think about Jeremiah's situation here, you know, I, I think we need to go back to, um, like, this idea, like, he, he's, he's in this, you know, hard situation. Like, you know, and, and maybe, like, his town hates them, and that might be like, oh, like, for us, oh, I'll just move somewhere else. Uh, people in Maynard hate me. <laughs> uh, I'll go to Sudbury until they hate me. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, in his situation, like, your town is your, is your welfare state. Like, this is your safety net. Like, your, your town are the people um, who, who know you uh, best, the people who are supposed to be the ones who have your, your back the most. Um, you know, and he's their kinsman. Like, you know, he's related to these people. And, and they're the ones who are actively seeking his life. So I think that's really instructive. Um, you know, here, you know, the first plot we see against Jeremiah isn't from some, you know, like, later we'll see the king plotting against them. Later we'll see the high priest plotting against them. Like, we'll see these kind of authority figures. The first one, though, is 
you know, the people who, who knew him best. Um, and they're the ones who are saying, do not prophesy, do not speak. Um, you know, this, this command not to, and we'll see, Jeremiah can't not speak. Sorry to use the double negative. Um, it's impossible. Like uh, later on uh, in this great scene, he's like, okay, he gets kind of frustrated. And he's like, okay, I'm not going to tell them anymore. Like I'm tired of dealing with this, uh, presenting this unpopular message. And then he's like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I got to speak God's word to him. Um, and, and they're the ones who aren't going to listen. And, you know, as we end and kind of think of application, this is very much like uh, what, what Jesus is preparing us for. You know, look, are you going to follow me, though, you know, it's going to turn your brother against you uh, or your father against you? Like, like the cost of discipleship. Like it's it, it, discipleship, being a follower of Jesus Christ, being a follower of God, being one who proclaims God's word has a cost. And sometimes that cost is rejection even by members of one's family. And it, we shouldn't be shocked by it. Um, we should be prepared and equipped for it. Um, and this, you know, looking to the faithfulness of our God, uh, which to go back to Dave's point, it's, it's not Jeremiah is secure in himself. It's Jeremiah is secure in what God has promised to Jeremiah. And we are in that same position. We're not secure in ourselves. Like when we face um, the hostility of our family or the hostility of the world, um, we are not facing that hostility in our own strength, in our own resourcefulness, in our own ability to survive it. Uh, we're standing um, in the strength that God gives us by his Holy Spirit. We're standing in reliance on the promises that he's given us to protect us and to keep us and to never forsake us. So that seems like a good end. So let me close there. Gracious God, we do um, uh, ask that you would give us hearts like Jeremiah, that we would be um, uh, bold in speaking the word of your truth, um, even though uh, it uh, brings the animosity of the world upon us. Um, not that we're seeking after animosity, but we're seeking to be faithful to you. Um, that we are seeking um, to, um, we're seeking the good of your cause because uh, like Jeremiah, we are committed to the cause of our Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, who has committed himself to us, um, securing life for us, not just in this world, but in the world to come, um, and giving us the strength to know that um, we do not have to fear uh, those who can merely kill the body, um, but uh, our fear and our hope and our trust is in you, O oh Lord, who, um, who uh, uh, keeps us body and soul and gives us uh, eternal life in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, help us now in this coming hour uh, turn to him in, in worship, acknowledging um, the worthiness of him, um, but also acknowledging um, and bowing down in submission to you, acknowledging that you are our sovereign God and that though we are disobedient uh, children often, um, that we acknowledge your claims upon us and that we come um, shamed 
uh, of what we've done um, and trusting in your goodness and love and in the finished work of Jesus Christ, whose perfect righteousness pleads on our behalf. Uh, help us to worship uh, with hearts moved by that good news, uh, that gospel. And may we be speakers and proclaimers of it uh, this day as we worship and then later as we sing it uh, to the town around us. Uh, we lift all this up in the matchless name of our Savior Jesus Christ by the power of your spirit. Amen.